Drinking with Authors contains adult themes and subjects, including discussions involving alcohol. We ask if you are drinking along to please drink and listen responsibly. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the COVID edition, part 4827. I don't even know what day it is anymore with fucking COVID. So, uh, uh, we're here. Yes. Um, I'm your host, Erica Lance. Wow, I already had too much whiskey. Uh, Jen, um, introduce your... Go. I'm doing this I'm Jen and I'm the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today is the amazing Ariel Hoy. Hello. I started sing-songing everything in my life. I think I'm just turning my life into a musical slowly. Okay. Great. I'll sing along. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to cast you as a little mermaid instantly because your name goes in line with that. Okay. Okay. Dad, you're Ursula. Going on. That's a lot to sing. Yeah, I know it is. Never mind. You can be like a... I'm a backup singer at the best. You can be fish number four (laughs) in the background. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about what we're already drinking, because apparently that's what I'm doing. So um, I am drinking coffee with creamer and uh, honey jack in it, because I'm an adult and I'm an own. So, (laughs) Jen, what enticing alcoholic beverage do you have for us today? I just have regular coffee because I can't drink alcohol. (laughs) Boring, lame. Ariel, what do you have? Um, I have um, a very uh, girly drink. I have a white claw because um, it's great for day drinking. Yeah, so we're, we're being basic. I like it. I like it. Okay, so uh, let's talk a little. I got so screwed up on White Claw at Universal Studios one time. <laughs> a company threw a party and they had all these bars. And I was like, I'll just do White Claw. That should be wrong. Yeah, it's easy. Nothing nothing will happen if I just drink those. (laughs) Well, somebody told me the other day there's some, and I don't remember who it was, and they might be on this, you know, they might be the producer of this podcast or all I know, but somebody told me the other day that the bubbles launch the alcohol to be more intense. Who said that? Were you on that call, gentlemen? No. Okay. Anyway, apparently the carbonation makes whatever effect of something go 10 times as much or something like that. This is a science show. So (laughs) we'll have to do research and get back to you. That was Jen trying to be a disclaimer is don't take our advice on what I just said about (laughs) carbonation. Okay. ah, We're here to talk about books. Ariel, tell us a little bit about your writing. Um, Well, I do a mix of writing for children um, and adults. And I do some crafts, craft stuff as well. Um, but, you know, my favorites are uh, children's picture books and then also fantasy. So I kind of have different directions. <laughs> do you write these all under your same name or do you write them under different names? I do. I write them all under the same name um, because I know, you know, the, the, the standard advice is to have different pen names for different things. Um, I don't write anything with, you know, too much gore or violence or, um, like I don't lean towards erotica. So I keep everything under the same name as far as even with the children's books. Cause I just find it easier to market that way. I just don't have the time to establish a pen name for each thing. And I just, for me, it's not practical. Yes, I wish I could, but it's not, I just, I do it all under one name. Um, no, that makes sense, but I like I was looking up here. I'm just going to say, we were looking up your Amazon page, so we were cyber-stalking you before the podcast. <laughs> we do that. The first book that comes up on your Amazon page is Demonic Household. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and then the next one is like a cutesy little kid's book, probably. Um, it's, I, you know, I don't think it's that much of an issue. Um, as far as, you know, oh, the audience will get mixed up or, you know, I don't, I've never had a problem with it. So I don't, I, 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 I've never had an issue with it. And I find it easier just to put everything all under my name. It may, will it come back and bite my ass at some point? I don't know, but it hasn't yet. <laughs> you know, leave the charge. I think part of it also depends on what genres you're trying to mix. Cause I think certain genres have really diehard fans that are attached to its on genre. Oh, wow. How many words are going to come out of my mouth wrong today? 
many. Um, also, our podcast consigliers to clear up the carbonated thing is going to attribute that particular message to Winter Daniels that said, drinking carbonated alcohol while smoking pot intensifies the high. Good to know. Oh, so I'm missing part. I'm missing part B of this. Yeah. So <laughs> next, next email instructions I send out, I'll be more clear as to what we're supposed to bring up. <laughs> so I, I think that's interesting, but I think, um, you know, we had uh, Jeff Strand on, and he was talking about. He wrote a romance, uh, romantic humor comedy book, and he's a horror writer, like die-hard horror writer. And yeah. he put this out, and his fans were like. You, you wrote a romance book and it didn't do well, of course, because it's, you know, these are people that want blood, gore, monsters. And then you're yeah. like, let's have a sweet comedy romance. And they were like, what? <laughs> so I think when it comes to like fantasy and that sort of stuff, I think it's a different yeah. um, playground than if you're trying to say that. But let's talk a little bit about your children's books. So what got you started writing children's books? Um, so I was a teacher. And I have two kids, and I started out writing fantasy, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to get into kids' books, you know. Um, and then just an idea just hit me, of course. Um, it wasn't a good one because it never went anywhere, but it got me <laughs> <laughs> it got me kind of that bug. And I realized I have this great, great, great love of children's artists. Um, so illustrators. I follow so many illustrators on Instagram. I'm obsessed with kids' art. Um, and I just absolutely love the whole process of you take your story and, you know, you take a lot of time to mold the words because it's, you know, it's like flash fiction with a lot of pressure. And, you know, you not many genres you do you turn it into a full visual experience other than like graphic novels. Mm -hmm. um, and so I get the chance to see my character come to life. And see the entire world, you know, be created. And the, the magic in it is when you hook up with an illustrator who has a really great vision and they produce something that you never would have thought of. So your character looks different. And at first it's kind of shocking, you know, when it's vastly different. But they, they just put their own vision in and their own creative spin on it and made it even more amazing than you ever could have imagined. I'm getting chills talking about it. Um, <laughs> and so it's, 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 it's magical and I love it and I'm obsessed with it and it's just really expensive to do. So <laughs> I was, I was going to go down that question. Like, yeah. I'm like, that's great. Cover art's expensive in itself. How much yeah. are you? Illustrators are very expensive. Do um, you draw it all? Do I draw it all? No, I'm, I am terrible. I have no... <laughs> skill that's maybe part of it why with my obsession is just straight up envy um mm -hmm. because I can't do it but um yeah so I have to commission an illustrator for the whole the whole shebang um and it's really pricey and then also I'm kind of um I'm a stickler about um with the picture books I prefer to offset print and do print runs because I can get the real high quality printing so that's, you know, a fortune too. Um, so I am very slow with my publishing of picture books just because it takes so much money up front for me to do what I want to do. Um, but that's just, that's just how I like it. I want the art to be the best possible version that it can be to do justice to what this artist has done. Um, that so, is amazing. What, what, was, what was your first picture book? Like, how did you go from, I just write fantasy and into I'm going to do this. So the first one I actually published, so I spent a good year learning picture book craft because I thought, oh, this is going to be so easy. I'm going from adult where it's like way harder and you're writing a whole book to picture books. This is going to be a piece of cake. Um, and it was so hard. It was one, it was the hardest genre for me to switch to. Um, it's a, because it's a whole different style of writing and you have to um, learn how to write for that style. It would be, you know, like if you were, you know, you wrote romantic comedies and now you want to write um, serious literary poetry. It would be a huge, you know, shift. So it was a big jump for me. And so I took a year um, really learning the craft and writing all kinds of terrible ones. 
And uh, finally, I found one that I said, this is it. I just know that this one, this is the real one. And reworked that manuscript for quite a while. And, um, and, the, and the first book was Grumbler, um, which it, it was, you know, so it's funny. You know how when in your writing, you know, part of, part of your soul comes out sometimes. And with picture books, I just find that this first one, it was just, you know, I'm all about humor and love. That's how I taught. That's how, you know, like I raised my kids. That's how I interact with people. I like to joke with people. But, you know, I had, you know, I really love people once I get to know them, you know. And so Grumbler is all about sharing love and how, you know, when you give love to others, it comes back to you. And, and, and it's done in a humorous way. So the hearts like attack this grumpy character because the, you know, he, he keeps trying to give them away and he keeps getting more back, you know, and it's humorous. Um, but I just found that out of all the stories I wrote, that one was just kind of the essence. Uh, I felt like it was who I was as a person. And it was, you know, I, I, I needed to put that book out there because there's so much negativity and so much, um, you know, I'm like this, so I won't like anybody who's like that kind of a thing. And I thought, you know, I just want to put more love out there and have, you know, kids. The great thing about picture books is you get to influence young minds and, you know, make an impact. And so it was, you know, important to me to kind of put this idea of, of you know, a basis of love. I know I'm getting all kippy. <laughs> You got very mushy for this podcast, but that's fine. Do you need another drink? I've um, been drinking the whole time. We're good. I'm going to be like, I love everybody too. Like, <laughs> that's kind of where that one came from. Cool. No, I think, um, you know, it's interesting when you talk about doing that, because also if you've gone from writing larger pieces, especially like novels and stuff. And then you're talking about writing a children's book because there's not, not a lot of um, writing in a children's book necessarily, right. not in a bad way, but just like on the page, no kid is going to read 12 paragraphs of something on a, right. a you know, a picture book. Um, where did you, uh, did you find it difficult at all to do that? Like piece of it, like being able to communicate the story you wanted to with small amount of words and words that children will understand. Cause that's the other thing is like, you, you know, can't say cognitive in a children's book because nobody will understand what the hell that page says. So exactly, exactly. So it's every single word counts. And so you, every you know, you cannot have any extra words whatsoever. Um, you can't, it's interesting because as an adult, you learn to put a bunch of, to paint the picture for the reader with your words. Picture books are the opposite. You don't want any description at all because it's redundant because the picture is there. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn to write without any physical description. You don't say any, you know, like it, it's, it's really hard. And the other thing that you have to do is you leave, um, you leave room for interpretation in your story, which is something you have to learn to, you have to learn to let go of control, which is really hard because you need to leave room for the illustrator to interpret it. So they are going to be the ones who are making the setting. So all you can say is something such as it's in a house or something really basic in a forest, whatever, but they're going to be the ones who draw the forest. And in your mind, you may envision, you know, this clearing with these trees and flowers and they do something totally different with the forest. Maybe they make it a winter forest, you know, a bunch of conifers or whatever. Um, so you have to learn to let go and you have to learn to trust. Um, so that is really, really, really difficult and really hard as, you know, as authors, we, we work, we work, especially with fantasy, you do world building mm -hmm. and you do so much of it. Yes. When you, when you switch to picture books, <laughs> nah, -uh, you know, it's, you're not the one doing the world building. You hand your words off to someone else to do it. So it's a it's it's a matter of letting go and building trust, and that's not easy. <laughs> it's it's very similar to writing poetry. Like you write the words and you kind of let them go and and see how people interpret it. Did you do you write poetry at all? Um, I do not. Um, even though my second picture book is in rhyme and it is written like when I was drafting, it was like a poem. Um, so it's I, I I don't write poetry, but I imagine it's the same kind of kind of thing where you were saying you let your words go. 
Mm-hmm. So you write the uh, and you get this uh, beautiful. So okay, I've got twelve questions just Word. in my brain. <laughs> Words, and I'm going to try to remember them, and I'm going to remember like two of them. So my first question is, when how do you audition um, an illustrator? Because a cover artist, like, usually go through their catalog, everything like that. And a lot of times you're able to go, yeah, I'd like to engage you, but I want to see what you kind of do with this, like, initially to decide if you want to move forward. How do you do that with an illustrator? Um, so it's it's similar where I will go on, uh, like, Behance or DeviantArt, um, like I said, Instagram. I So many. I, I, I chat with illustrators on Instagram all the time. Um, and I look at their portfolios. And so for me, I'm looking for a style and a tone because um, the, the tone of the art is really important. It has to match the tone of the story. So if I'm writing a humorous story, I have to find someone who draws humorous style art. Um, same thing if it's a more serious, let's say we're addressing like um, a serious topic for a kid like death or divorce. Um, you would want someone who does more, you know, serious style children's art. So the first thing is when you're looking through is to find someone whose style matches the tone of your story. Um, and you're going to want to have a bunch of different options because you have to see who's available, who's interested, and who you can afford. And that's a whole process. Um, so, you know, you may love someone's art, but they're way out of your price range. Um, or maybe someone, there was uh, this Australian illustrator I love, but she, ha- she was signed on for, I think, a three-book series and just could not take on another book. Um, so it's, it's, it's about, you know, finding them. And then, um, I've had some that will do a character sketch and some that they want to contract before they will do the, the art, any art, because they, um, they don't want to work for free because, you know, it's almost like asking us to write like a, a story before you, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's. There's a lot of etiquette involved. And one of the things is, is don't ask an illustrator to, to draw stuff for you for free. That's an etiquette thing. So that's something else I had to learn while I was going through with illustrators was etiquette. Um, like you don't talk about price right away with them. Um, you kind of want to establish a relationship first. So it's a little bit of kind of dancing around till you get to the point where they'll, they'll sketch for you. I was going to make a really terrible joke, and it sounds like um, an escort service thing. You know, you don't talk about rights. You talk about what services they're going to do for you. But illustrators out there that I love you because you're amazing, I didn't just call you prostitutes, I promise. No, this is no, how I alienate the audience in two five seconds. Um, no, I, I think that's really fascinating. And it's interesting, especially as an independent author, right? Because this is not going through a publishing house. This is right. you doing it yourself. Right. Because if it was a publishing house, they'd, they'd be corralling all of this stuff together for exactly. you and the cost exactly. and everything like that. So now let's flip to fantasy. How is this different when you did your fantasy? Are you self-published in fantasy? So I would write fantasy for uh, different uh, small publishers, um, small presses, and um, I'm currently, I've been working on this for a bit, so I have a revision workbook out, um, and I've been working on a world-building workbook. So it's, it's interesting for me to kind of flip from adult to kids um, as I've been working on the world-building workbook, um, and... You know, there's still the same element of it, but um, I'm trying to think how to answer. I guess (laughs) it engages a similar part of the brain as far as when you uh, visualize things and you're thinking of the world. And it's the same thing, you know, just the picture book, it's art instead of completely in your head. Um, But yes, I have to kind of, I don't work on picture books when I'm working on fantasy because I find that a bit difficult to jump back and forth. No, that makes sense. Um, when did you start writing? Let's see. Um, oh, gosh. I'm try- I have to think of, like, in terms of how old my kids are. Um, seven years ago is when I really oh. started for, for real. Um, I always, you know, kind of did little things here and there. But um, I took a stab at writing a book. Um, and it was terrible because I didn't know what I was doing and I knew I didn't know what I was doing. 
And then that's when, after that, um, I took a pause. I was kind of discouraged. I thought I can't do it. And then I just realized that, hey, this is just like anything else. I need to take classes. I need to learn how to do it. Um, so that's when you know, I started joining groups and going to meetings and reading craft books and taking webinars and you know everything I could do to, to learn because I was, you know, the first time I was an idiot just thinking, oh, I can just, I can just hop on and write whatever and it'll be great. And it was absolutely atrocious and it's hidden. <laughs> so you're basically saying you're going to publish that soon and call it a memoir. Right. <laughs> right. Here we go. So a cautionary tale. Yes. <laughs> what did you, I, what did you feel was, I mean, we all at different stages as writers, we're all writers, um, you know, had different things we thought obviously were brilliant. A lot of writers talk about like their high school writing and how just absolutely at the time we thought it was brilliant, <laughs> bestseller. Yep. And why doesn't everybody want it? And then, um, you know, now when we read it, we go, why didn't I burn these pages? Thank God they're not on the internet. Um, so what did you feel like, so you write this book at, at what point was the, you know what, I need, I need to learn how to do this craft. What, what about the book? What comments did you get? Where did the, this is not publishable come into play or, um, probably. So my chapters were all like one page. And so I realized I'd been typing and it was like, you know, page 30 and I'm on chapter 28, you know, it's just not. There was not, there was no meat to it. It was very, very basic. And I could not get the words on the page to match anything near what I wanted. It was basically like um, an expanded outline. With chapter headings. I like yes, it. Yes, with chapter right. headings. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I still like the story that I wrote. It was a, it was a, like a romance story, but you know, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about dialogue. I feel like that that's what took me the longest to learn was dialogue. It's, um, it's interesting you say that because I've talked to so many authors um, that say one side or the other. Some are just like brilliant with dialogue and then all the stuff that you need to put in between the dialogue, they're mm -hmm. not great at. And then there are authors that are just, you know, poetry on the page, but their characters apparently don't talk to each other really ever. <laughs> You know, um, how did you uh, find that voice? How did you find how to do the dialogue? Um, you know, I just think, honestly, just practice. Just kept writing over and over and over and over again. Because I felt like once I got the bug, that was it. I was entering every contest, every, you know, every single thing that I could submit to, I was submitting to. And I was writing constantly um, for a good two years, just nonstop. And I got, you know, I got some things published. I got, you know, different places and contests and things like that, which is always fun. Um, and that is encouraging. That tells you that you're doing something right when you, you know, when you start getting your stuff out there and you get a positive result. So I think just honestly just practice forcing yourself to do it, you know. And uh, yes, write, write bad. Write bad for a while. Keep practicing and, and keep reading good dialogue and taking classes. And, you know, I, there was a, I forget what book it was. There was an awesome craft book I read. I think it was um, Dazzling Dialogue. That um, was really good. And I marked all over it. And I would refer back to it. And it really helped um, for me to learn how to do it. So a combination of just making myself do it and continuing to study craft. I think that's really great. It's interesting because a lot of great authors out there or um, famous authors have written books on writing. Like Stephen King has got a brilliant book on oh, writing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chuck, Chuck, Polnick, Thank you, whatever. <laughs> I asked him to be on this podcast. Oh, Don't listen to this thanks. episode. So um, he wrote a book on writing. Um, actually, Gina Showalter, who's a, a romance, uh, paranormal romance and contemporary romance writer, just recently published a book with another romance writer on it. There's more than this. I'm only touching a few of them, but I think it's it's really important to tell writers out there that like anything you learn to do, whether you're watching YouTube videos to learn to do it or you go to a, a class at Home Depot to learn how to put tile on a wall. You know, we all have these things that we forget sometimes what the point of education and the point of learning something is you can't just like there are natural gifts, but then there are getting your natural gifts 
to coincide with how things need to be done and not like you need to be in a box, but you need to keep your reader in the story. You need to have a story that brings the reader along with you, regardless of the story and how you want to write it. And if you want to write on genres that aren't really popular, yes, go for it. I'm a huge advocate of that, but use an editor, understand tenses, understand grammar, understand dialogue, understand that because all of those things are what contribute to keeping your person in the story with you along that journey. Yeah. And so that and having what? Follow the conventions. Follow the conventions. Use the Oxford comma. <laughs> <laughs> I have strong feelings. She yes. has very strong feelings about the Oxford comma. We're not going to do that because this show will go on for quite some time on that debate. No talking about the Oxford comma. <laughs> so, okay. So you get into writing. What was your first, like, what was your success moment where you're like, I fucking got this. I know what I'm doing. There was um, a memoir that I wrote about um, my, my struggle with postpartum depression with my first kid. And you know, part of the memoir was me realizing that it really was postpartum depression. And so there was a lot of, it was really honest and it was really hard for me to write because it was a very, very dark time in my life. And one that, you know, I think you kind of feel shame about because, you know, there's an expectation that you're supposed to be this great mom and everything's supposed, you're supposed to be happy. You're so, what's wrong with you? You have a baby and there's so many people that want one that don't have one. What is wrong with you? You know? And so for me, it was a whole self exploration and it was very, um, almost, I almost couldn't publish it cause it was too honest. You know, I, I was very afraid, but I said, I submitted it and it was published and I was like, okay, we, uh, right. Um, it was uh, published in a book called Lost Dreams, <clears throat> and I decided to enter the piece into a contest, uh, the Royal Royal Palm Literary Awards. And I thought, okay, you know, this was the, my first, you know, piece that had was published in a book. And I thought, you know, it's I don't know, it's not going to get that far. You know, it's probably I still I still had this embarrassment that I was carrying with me over, you know, the the stigma. Of, of, of postpartum depression. And so it, it won an award. It won second place. in, in wow. the um, and, and for me, that was so, you know, it was, it was, it was a confirmation for me as a person that the, the struggle really happened, but also it was a confirmation for me that I could do this. And that if I really put myself into my work and I do those things where I'm afraid, it turns out better. And it sounds like that was true with your first children's book, too, as you put yourself into the work. Yeah. So I think that's amazing. And that's awesome. And that's awesome that that was the recognition, because I think that, um, you know, when you when you tell a piece of yourself as writers, we get to create fantasy worlds and stuff like that. And even if we base some things or some characters off of real life situations, we don't usually as fiction writers expose ourselves. Well, it depends on the book you're writing. There's been yeah. some books where. I've exposed myself. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. That was a whiskey. Okay. But I think that you don't often enough get to, um, you, as much as a reader might think so, you're not seeing the real person that's behind the writing. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I think that's, that's brilliant. You also edit though. Yes. You're an editor. It. So uh, Jam's also an editor. Let, let's talk about, look at, we can talk about editing for a moment. Maybe you can slip the Oxford comma in the editing conversation. I, pull, I pulled my button down for you. Yes. <laughs> I it's, it says Oxford comma 2020. Oh God. It changes the meaning. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys talk for a moment about editing. Um, so I got into editing um, I am uh, one an instructional coach at Writers Atelier, which is a writing studio in Winter Park, and I started working with Raquel Henry, who's the founder, um, with coaching a group of writers and um, doing a lot of coaching with them and talking with them about their problems in their books and you know and all this all this stuff and and, and I noticed patterns in things and I started editing. Because, you know, 
I enjoy helping other people and I enjoy helping, you know, people on their journey and really getting the content of a book to be as organic as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, abs- I love content editing um, more than, you know, like line editing or copy editing. I mean, I'll, I'll do line editing and copy editing, but I love content. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, I know that they tell me, I've been told you give a lot of notes. I'm like, I know, but you know, it's your, it's for you to decide what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, with it and I give suggestions for things to think about and it's up to you because it's your it's your piece um, but I love helping authors you know really not kind of take the journey that they've envisioned for their book and make it really make sense and make it really um, kind of sh- you know it, I, I picture it like you know a journey like a pathway you know the path is already there put some flowers on it Let's really make sure the path is clear through the trees. Make sure, let's make sure there's enough trees. Um, <laughs> let's make sure the trees haven't changed since the last time we were in this clearing. Exactly. Um, you know, make sure there's enough conflict, all that. So for me, it's, it's working with the author and kind of seeing the author go through a journey, not just the story, but the author goes through a journey as well as they're working on their book. So um, when, what, first of all, you said you're a teacher. What kind of teacher are you? I was elementary and I was uh, special needs. Oh, wow. Wow. That was a lot of fun. So um, you're supposed to talk about editing questions. Don't let me keep talking, JM. That's going to happen. What's happening? No, well, have you always been an editor? Or did that happen first or it just... That, that happened the more that I got involved with coaching and helping people through their manuscripts and... Uh, just kind of from my, my, my background and my experience, um, I taught, um, I specifically taught writing, fourth grade writing, um, and, you know, just focusing on, on different things. Um, so it, it, it kind of came along as part of the journey. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun for me um, as far as, so I used to, you know, work with kids with special needs, and I used to work with a lot of kids that had behavior disorders and autism and things like that. And so I think that helps me work with different kinds of people because I find that creative people um sometimes the more creative you are you can have you know it's it's kind of like you you have a lot of energy in the creative area of 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 your brain and so maybe the organizational area isn't as strong or maybe things like um kind of how to how to digest some of the the feelings you have when you're getting feedback um, so it's, for me, I kind of use those, those skills just in a, in a different way when I work with different creatives, you know, either whether they be writers or illustrators, um, so there's a lot of feelings involved with this. And some people, you know, they, they, some people need more hugs and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and some people need more hugs. I'm going to, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and I'll get a hug. Um, not really, because we're on Skype. So we can, I'm going to hug my whiskey glass. So we're going to do that now. <laughs> and then we'll be right back. Hey, thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. We wanted to let you know that if you're an aspiring author out there and you'd like to be on our podcast, you can email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. Or if you guys have a question, comment, want to tell us some little tidbit of interesting news, you can always direct message us or comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love that you're listening. We love that you're out there. And we look forward to hearing from you. Okay, so we are, we're coming, we're coming back. I want intro. We need, oh, there is intro music. Never mind. We just don't get to hear it. <laughs> it's <laughs> called production ambiance. So, okay, we are back. Um, so my question for you is, uh, what, as far as when you first had an editor, what was your first editing? Because you're an editor, and we were just talking about that, and you give editor hugs. Did your first editor have editor hugs or not? Um, oh my God. Um, <laughs> that, that's going to be a no. That's There's a no. A I love this story already. I'm already excited about it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, let's see. I had one that was, you know, just kind of, it wasn't a big deal, but the first time that it was a really big deal for me was when, um, I had a mentor and it for picture books and 
it was um, Gloria Rothstein. She wrote Sleep a Sheep. She's amazing. She's this phenomenal, uh, great career picture book author. And um, I love her. Um, I had to adjust to her style because um, I was sent the first email uh, back with my edited manuscript. And I, you know, I open up the document and it's just, you know, straight red. Just, and I just closed my computer and just put my head flat on the bed. <laughs> because it's, it's, you know, I'm, you know, especially like I'm sending out a part of myself. This is my baby. And, and you just stabbed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I had to get used to that and I had to get used to, she was more factual, which actually is helpful. You know, she wasn't emotional. It was, okay, you are missing a character arc. You need to add in the character arc. Here's what you can do. Or, okay, there's already been, oh God, the heartbreaker. There's already been several books published like this, which of course nobody wants to hear. But she no. said, what can you do to make it different? You know, like you, you, can, you can still do it. You need to put a spin on it. But so for me, it was gut-wrenching. Um, but it, it really helped me. That was one of the most helpful things I had ever done in my career. Um, because after the first time, I, she did it three different times. So after the first time, I expected it the second time and the third time. And just the feedback that she gave me was, was incredible. But just that whole experience of seeing it lit up in red and just closing the computer and just like giving up on life. Um, it, it kind of taught me how to approach things as an editor too. Just, I know that feeling. I know that feeling of opening up your manuscript and seeing it lit up. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe that's why I give more hugs because, you know, I've been crushed. Um, <laughs> but I've been also, crushed like a bug. Exactly. Yeah. But also, I still, like, I still want to deliver the truth. My, my allegiance is to the story. My allegiance isn't necessarily to you. I want to do what's best for the story but I will figure out how to de deliver the message in a way that's not, you know, I'm not saying that she was terrible. It's just, she was very factual. And I, and I think I needed a hug. <laughs> no, and I think I call that cause I work in human resources. I call that the sandwich, the Oreo sandwich where yes. you do the positive, then you slide the negative and then you do the positive. Exactly. And you I do that on papers when I give feedback. Yes. And so, oh. you know, it just, it just affected my, my approach. Um, and I still love her. Um, I sent her a copy of Grumbler when it came out and just put a note in there about it. what she did for me just changed my career. Um, and my mentorship, she was amazing. And I will forever be grateful for her. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's different, different approaches. And I'm glad that I had that experience as far as not only as an author, but as an editor. No, that's, uh, it's very um, interesting. Uh, you know, I have two of you on that do both of those things. I don't do that. I just make people write. Like, that's my <laughs> mantra is I get very, like, drill sergeant-y, like, pick up your damn computer and write something. Cause, <laughs> get your buttons. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that, you know, that's a, that's a thing is if you don't actually sit down and write, I don't care whether it's 20 words or, uh, you know, 2,000 words, depending on who you are. You know, I have various, like JM can write way faster than I can write, but it, like sit down and actually write because your book won't get out there if you don't actually like type it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what we, we talked about your, pre what is coming up for you? What are your projects that are coming? What is, what is coming? So I'm working on the, um, the world building workbook. That is the next thing I have a picture. Oh gosh. I have a picture book that's delayed right now. My, my release got completely messed up by the virus. Um, so I did regular, I did the ebook and the paperback um, on Ingram. And then of course for the hardback, I wanted an offset print and it is significantly cheaper to print it in China. So I went to China and my books are still in China. <laughs> so it's not, I have a book. Along with all the wedding dresses, your right. books are in China. In okay, China. cool. So um, I'm waiting. I've, I've been like delaying the release of that one because I really want to push the hardback. Um, so that is 
upcoming whenever it gets out. And then, um, and then I'll be doing the workbook, but I've been doing a lot of, um, writing organization stuff and a lot of blogging. Um, so I am on uh, the board of directors for the Florida Writers Association. And I've been kind of working on amping up their blog as a marketing tool. And which of course gets me to work on my blog more. Cause I feel <laughs> like I'll do all kinds of stuff for their blog and just completely ignore mine. Um, so I've been doing a lot of blogging because I want to really focus on my marketing this summer. Um, because last year I pumped out like a bunch of books. Um, I think I published, I don't know if it was five or six books. I did a bunch of different stuff and now I'm like, okay, I need to slow down. Um, I need to not spend so much money. We did the taxes and that was, that was something. And so I <laughs> slow my roll a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, let's look at some actual, let's do accounting. Have yeah. fun with that. No, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. It's um, about your dreams, not the money side. Exactly. Exactly. And you so, can tell GM hasn't done the taxes part of that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So, um, so yeah, slow my roll in the publishing. I really want to focus on my marketing. Um, and focus on blogging. And I, you know what? I get a bunch of people coming in from Google from blog posts that I've written. So I'm like, okay, I need to keep writing these blog posts, particularly picture book blog posts, because there's not a lot out there as far as how to indie picture books. Um, so I want to pump up my blog with that because eventually I want to, once I get, you know, back into like, you know, get money again and, and, and I can publish again. I want to start publishing books on how to do picture books, how to indie them, because there's not as many out there about indieing picture books. Um, so that's what's made it kind of a really difficult part of my journey is learning everything um, about how to do this. And so I do, I do a lot of coaching with people because they're like, what the heck? So I need to get this book, book series out. So I can be like, oh, here, buy my book. <laughs> that's interesting. So what about fantasy? Are you still in that? Or are you right now really focused on? I'm focusing on picture books right now. Um, Cause that's, that's what I spent a majority of my money uh, putting out. And when, I, and when I think of it as a business model, I think, okay, I put out three picture books and I need to market these um, for now. Um, but yes, it's, it's going to be interesting because I am going to want to get back to the fantasy but I'm thinking for I'm for my brand name. So my, my brand is Orange Blossom Publishing. And I made it generic so I could publish whatever I wanted. So I could either do imprints or I could go with another publisher for fantasy. Um, so I'm I'm kind of trying to build up the picture books right now. The fantasy's on a back burner, but even though I'm doing the workbook. <laughs> All over. <laughs> you are so I, I assume this is you're doing this full time now, right? Yes. Yes. How long have you been doing it full-time? Two years. Wow. That's, so that's very, how, that's very why cool. I was able to get that many books like out um, last year. And this year I'm like, okay, you know, I can, I, 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 I'm still doing a bunch of stuff, um, but it's more behind the scenes, marketing, that kind of thing. So let's talk about market. Let's talk about marketing. Oh boy, um, <laughs> let's talk about marketing. So I, I, you know, there. It sounds like you know you're doing picture books, you're doing fantasy books, you're writing, but you've gone into the business side of being a writer or being an editor or being in this business. Period. I could say yeah. if I was putting this whole sentence together in a not drunk frame of mind. So that was words. I put them all together and they seemed correct. So I'm going to go with that. Fine. <laughs> it was fine. Thank you, Sober Chad. I appreciate you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the business side. At what point did you realize uh, there's a business side to this? Um, I think the second you start spending uh, money, you realize, you know, you start paying for things. Oh, like, oh, shoot, I need to start keeping track of this. And then you have the reality of, a release and exactly how much money you get and when, you know, you spend so much money up front, but with a release, it's like, Oh, if I sell all my books on Amazon or on Ingram, you're not getting paid till, you know, the quarter ends and then you get paid, you know, months later. So 
I think it's it, it was all of that that first release that I did I did um I have an anthology series um called How I Met My Other and I think how I Met My Other came out first. That was the first thing from my um, publishing brand. And then Grumbler came out like a, a, like a few weeks later. Um, so just doing that release and working with all kinds of different authors. Um, and I had I needed new contracts with those authors. So there was that. There was a contra contractual side of it. So it's, you know, the legal side. Um, and then, you know, okay, how are we handling? There's the money side. These authors want to purchase books. I, I said I would let them have it at at the um the what's the, the the price without anything extra on it what, what's the word at wholesale cost. Uh, at cost at cost yeah <laughs> you're asking a drug person what the that. correct words for something i'm like blue blue is the correct word <laughs> so uh you know there's there's that and just the whole when i realized how much time i was spending doing management behind the scenes and i wasn't writing and there, you know, there was a significant amount of me doing editing with stories in the first one. And even the second one, there was a, so the first one is all true love stories. The second one is all true stories of, it's how I met my other furry friends, true tales. So it's all about pets, um, which was really cute. I really liked the second one. It was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I love animals. <laughs> so um, just that, just going through that whole experience of publishing the first book, contracting with authors, thinking about their rights thinking about, okay, what, you know, what are we doing with all that? What are we doing with the money? I'm paying for things. How am I keeping track of it? Okay. I have editors and formatters and all this going on. Um, so I think just going through the first, you know, the first book experience, you realize, wow, this really is a business, you know, and, and I cannot do marketing right when the book comes out, you have got to do it before. So, you know, just that, I just think that whole, I, it was, it was eye opening, I think, which I think for anybody, the first book they publish is eye opening. <laughs> I, I agree a thousand percent. And, you know, we all want to hit that fault in our stars. I use that as a reference, like one of those where it just hits and it goes and it's a bazillion dollars and you're just money and you're doing the flash yeah. dance instead of water, right. it's money yeah, falling like on you. Rain. Yeah. 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 And then that's, that's not what happens. No, and then, not at all. Yeah. And, and you got to go, Oh, people don't, can't even find my book. Like, right. you know, because there, <laughs> there are parts to, what genre to put it in and what, you know, yes. keep search terms. Yeah. Search terms, how to find it and stuff like that. Okay. So what is one of your um, pet peeves as an editor? I have to ask, like, what is the thing that drives you the most nuts when you're reading some of these independently published books out there that you're not actually editing, but I know you, both of you guys have editor brain that goes on during a story. So for me, oh my gosh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's one of those things where when I work with an author, I fully support them. But when I'm buying books and reading them, I get mad. Like I get so angry and I, I can't like turn it off. I have this reaction. Uh, for me, it is um, cluttered prose. Mm -hmm. I cannot stand excess words and sentences that don't need to be there. Um, my brain, in my brain, I'm slashing them. I'm slashing, slashing, slashing. And I'm so focused on all these extra words mm -hmm. that I cannot, it makes me, it makes my brain work, work twice as hard to understand the story. So mm -hmm. if you have cluttered prose in the first page, I will get pissed and shut the, I shut the book or, you know, exit because I'm a <laughs> ego girl. <laughs> I was going to say, we just close our Kindle yeah, and I go just, to our library and go to the next I, one. I angrily hit the home button on my Kindle. <laughs> Do you um, leave reviews? Let's talk about reviews for a moment. Do you yeah. leave reviews? Only positive. Um, I, I just can't do it. I can't leave a negative review. Uh, there are Here's the thing. I know there are people who will. Um, so I think I don't have to do it because there are people out there who will. But I just know that even if maybe it isn't the best book, a lot of time, I know how much time went into it, and I just can't do it. Like, I just can't be mean. <laughs> what about um, receiving? Like, when you write a review, do you tell them the things you liked about the story? Like, are you a little more verbose than this was kick-ass kind of thing? Yeah, I will I will say specifically what it is that I, that I like about it. Um, just because, I mean, we all like hearing that, and it's good praise, and, and, and you know, helps you think, okay, I know what I'm doing. Um, and then if someone else is, is looking at the book and think, considering purchasing it, oh, hey, look, look at all the great things it has. Um, so, yes, I will leave longer reviews. 
Okay, let's talk about your reviews. I'm sure you've gotten reviews on your book. I know for a fact you have because I see them up here on the Amazon. So <laughs> that's the French word for Amazon. I'm sure that's a thing. That's totally legit. It is totally legit. If not, it should be. Amazon, pay attention. Um, so what what do you think of reviews? Do you read them? Um, I'm not, <laughs> I know you're not supposed to, uh, but I totally read them. And then, and then I'm one of those people where if they leave a mean review, I'll go click on them and see what other reviews they've left and see if they're just a mean person, you know? Um, <laughs> you can stalk the, re- the person who left the review, and I don't think people know that. Um, yeah, they do. They <laughs> troll yeah. your reviewers. Exactly, I do. I totally do. I won't do anything about it, but in my head, it'll, it'll help me justify it. Um, so, for example, I got a bad review on Grumbler because um, – so essentially, it's a grumpy character. It's like the Grinch. It's a grumpy character who's mean has and has a transformation and, and becomes nice. But the reviewer said that um, the nobody should be friends with Grumbler and he should have just ended up by himself in the book. And I'm like, it's a kid's book. Uh, yes, it's a kid's book. It would be that's like the points, right? It would be like everybody just said screw you to the Grinch, and that's the end of the Grinch. Um, and I was like. That's the whole point of the story is to, like, become a loving person. Anyway, so that one I just laughed off. Because when you get bad reviews, you know, it's all, you know, it, a fun thing to do is just, like, share it with your author friends and everybody makes fun of it. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of how I handle it is is we share it with each other and we laugh at it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. laugh at it or else you'll be like, oh, my God. You know, but, you know I think a lot of people say, I, I think it's. It's important to remember that the story isn't for everyone. Right. Like, um, you know, the story is not a thing that is um, set up for every single person to enjoy the story or like the story or get along with the story. And I think kind of like the hard skin you have to have, like, it's great to have um, an editor who is caring about your feelings when reading the book. They have to be to me almost though, qualified to read your book and enjoy your story. So they're giving you the right, correct advice. Right. It's better if you do it nicely because nobody wants to hear criticism on any front in a negative way. But the similar with reviews, if you're leaving a review, I think this is true for anyone, is leave a review with the things that you liked. Don't give away the book. Don't write 12 paragraphs. Nobody fucking cares about that. But give like... <laughs> What part of it you like? The story was very fast paced. That's very useful information to an author, right? Right. Yes. Or, you know, this setting was perfect. I lived in Boston and they nailed it, right? Because that's another fun thing you can do is totally screw up the location. But I think as um, uh, authors, when you're reading reviews, you have to remember that everybody has an opinion out there. And the point I think in reading reviews, and some people say don't read them, <clears throat> and if you're going to be very touchy about a review, don't read them. But if you can sit there, look at them, and pull them apart for what was good or bad and decide if that person was your audience to do that, I think it's brilliant. Because sometimes bad reviews have nuggets in there that are useful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to move forward. I'm not saying you go, oh, gosh, I have to change everything. Again, that evaluation of does that person get your writing style? Does that person get the book? Does the person get the story? Does the person get it where you're going with it? Or do they just not at all? So there's no point. But do they notice something like, you know, um, I was not, like I had a review one time that literally the first line says Erica Lance is an author that likes to punch you in the left effing face. And it doesn't say fucking cause Amazon won't let you write that, but that's what it says. And the person was like, I love the book. I love the story. I hate the way it ended because my stories don't have happy endings. Right. I do not do the tie up with a bow. Not everybody's great at the end of the fucking story. Like, no, it, they're horror stories. Nobody to me is great at the end of a horror story. So, um, I thought that was funny. So it was like a, a five-star review telling me that they hated the ending of this story. <laughs> and I had to look and go, that's cool, but you're not you're not my um you're not gonna be my audience on a go forward because that's what my 
my books are. That's what my stories are, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm now I'm going off on a whole entire review thing, but I think that's something that is important. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about um, your writing process. Are you a plotter or a pencer? Are you a plancer? We also came up with a very technical thing, thanks to the Jeff Strand, called a, what did we call it? It is a uh, method method writer, which is where you write a very technical, like this is the exact flow of the story. It's a method. Like method oh, acting, it's a okay. method writer. Okay. Yes. I like that. Yes. I've decided to hashtag trademark that, just if anybody's <laughs> listening. But I'm not really, because I won't do all that work. But um, so what kind of author do you consider yourself to be? Um, I'm a planter. Uh, I am big with uh, notebooks. Um, I don't write neat, neat notes. I write all over the place in my notebook. Um, and uh, it's because I start with a character and I let the character develop and flow. And all. one idea will come from here. One idea will come from there. I will have a loose idea of the plot. And it's very, you know, loose. And, and then I go to the computer and start typing and make more notes as I go. Um, so I do have stuff that I do beforehand. Sometimes I'll spend quite a while in my notebook beforehand, um, but it's not a scene by scene bulleted list. It is it is all over the place, scribble, scrabble with lots of arrows pointing in different directions. But it makes <laughs> but only sense I understand. You. <laughs> so is that true with both fantasy and the children? Do you outline the children's story? How does that work? I've never written a children's story, so I have no idea. Explain the process. How does that work? <laughs> yes, I do the same thing. Of course, it's it's small. It's it's less because for me, the real work with picture books is in the revision, and you revise over and over and over and over. Like you revise a picture book way more than you do a novel. Okay. Um, you can write the first draft in like. 20 minutes, you know, like it's like 500 words, you, you know, like you can write the first draft really easily and then spend months, you know, getting the words right. Um, so I do the same thing. I start with character um, in a picture book and I, you know, figure out, I don't have to do as much background because you can do a little too much background with, with picture books because then you can be distracted and put extra details in there you don't need. Um, and that's extra words. So you have to, you can't do too much. Um, but for me, a lot of what I write in my notebook is messing with lines, um, which I don't do that as much in, you know, with my fantasy stuff, it's, it's, you know, tons of world building and, and all, all these different things. But, um, yeah, with picture books, I'm playing with lines and I'm also, the story changes so much when you revise, um, if it's nuts, you know, the, the first time you write it, he could, you know, for example, I was trying to write a second Grumbler book and I had him Grumbler going to different places where he kept getting clean and all he wanted to do was get dirty. And I worked that for several different versions and I realized that wasn't working. So I had to completely change the story to where he's not getting dirty. He's doing something totally different. And so the, the plot changes significantly in revising picture books, you know, versus, you know, with, with my adult books, it doesn't have as drastic changes uh, as you do with picture books when you're revising. And then I tweak, you know, then I'm tweaking the words forever once the plot is, is finalized. Do you use your kids as um, uh, beta readers for the children's um, books? So I do involve them. Um, they, what's, what's, uh, they're not necessarily beta readers, but I involve them in lots of different stages of the process, especially my older one. So he has seen me draft. He's seen me revise. He's seen me dummy a book. He's seen me look for illustrators. He's seen me get character sketches. He's seen me get initial sketches and comment on them. And we've talked about, okay, here's the here's what we need to change in this art. He's seen, um, he's helped me pick out paper, you know, for at the printer, what thickness of paper should we pick? Um, so I, you know, what, what, what size book, what, you know, what, what, what should we do? What trim size, you know, all different kinds of stuff, because I try to involve him in like every single stage just to kind of have, I want him to know how much work it takes. And I want him to see that if he's interested in doing it, he can do it. And it's just a series of steps, lots of steps. Um, so I, I kind of use them as like behind the scenes, showing them how it's 
done kind of a thing. So he's an unpaid intern. Yes, they're my unpaid intern. (laughs) I love it. And and exactly, my oldest one now asks me every day, did you sell any books today? And I hate that question. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. I'll find out in a few months from Ingram. (laughs) You're like, here's your login, just deal with it. Yeah, there's there's a graph there, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that's hysterical. Um, so, uh, where was I going? I was going somewhere. Hold on. I got to get back there. Whoa. Brain. So not working. Okay. Are there any genres that you are looking forward to writing in the future? Like, are, is there anything, you know, cause as artists, we, our brains go and go and go and yeah. like, is there anywhere you want to go that you haven't gone? Let's see. I've been de- Debating, I've been debating doing a pen name, doing erotica, um, because I have a great idea for an erotica series, and I don't know. It's just one of those things that I'm like, should I really do? Can I really do that as a children's author? Um, well, not under the same name. This is one you need a pen name, and definitely, and me, me and Valerie will tell you that you need a, and as an erotica author, I will tell you, you need a pen name that needs to happen. And you don't have to, you know, as a, an erotica author, you don't have to come forward and be seen and stuff like that. You are very, um, uh, out, I don't want to say out there, God, you're really out there. Uh, <laughs> words, words are not coming to me today. You are very prolific. Like you, you're, you're, you're talk a lot. You're on these, all these writing boards and stuff. It would be an interesting thing for you to do this because you, you don't do that when you're doing that. No, of it. You would have to, yes. you'd be in the, in the, yeah, in the background. Yes. It, it would be something that would have to be like a secret because I'm very visible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I do, you know, like I do uh, lots of interviews. I do lots of school visits. I do lots of speaking events. I go all kinds of places, um, and do classes and whatnot. And so it would be something, that's why it, it's like, I don't know if I can do it. Like as far as managing like okay I'd be I'd be using a pen name it would be something I'd have to be very kind of hush hush about as far as me being going into schools especially because I will go into like Christian schools and I, I, would... I, I will tell you as a publisher of quite a bit of erotica for several people that have day jobs that don't allow them to um come out into the the sunlight of their um expressive moist um, you know, whatever, uh, that you can absolutely do that. It is something that can be done. You can be in the shadows and it's a lot of fun. I think it's very freeing to do that because you get to write in a whole genre where like you, you talk about world building, you don't have to do world building in a rock. <laughs> you, you, you have to just make sure you have the right amount of hands and feet and, you know, <laughs> penises and stuff like that you don't have to though go down a whole route of like i need to build a world around this i mean i suppose you could if you got really you know down a path but it's it's more so that you use the proper words and you don't call breast pomegranates you know like that (laughs) so um anyway but i'm just saying it can be done i did um promise val willis that i would say hello to you because she said say hello to you so i officially did that on this podcast so check um so we uh we're we're nearing the end here so tell us how to find you how do i know how to find you because i was stalking you today but tell the audience how to find you i am so uh you can find me at arielhoy.com which is H-A-U-G-H-E-E. Um, and also orangeblossombooks.com. I am on Facebook and Instagram. And I am I love Instagram. I'm all over it. Um, and where else am I? You're the, you said Florida Writer. Yes. Yeah, I'm on the board of Florida Writers. I also do their social media. So if you're a part of Florida Writers, you've probably seen me all over the social media. And it's funny because I think you can see like a big, there's been a big kind of change or shift because you know with the with Florida Riser, writers it was very official stuff and then you know I took over and saw like lovey dovey and happy and like yay I love writers and 
hooray for being an author. Let's support each other. You know? <laughs> it's like, love you it. happy. <laughs> Everybody's like, what happened? Exactly. It's, it's me. <laughs> oh, that was um, amazing. Well, so, cool. Yeah, so you can find me on social media. I'm definitely there, except Twitter. I just, I can't. I won't do Twitter. Well, if Twitter wants to be a sponsor, that's not the same view of drinking with ours. <laughs> yes, this, I like Twitter. I just, I just don't have time. That's it. <laughs> no, really, because you need to do it right if you're going to do it on Twitter. Yeah, see, that could be a line in an erotica book. Um, yes. Anyway, it has been amazing you have having you words. Amazing having you as a guest. Um, this has been uh, very apparently lots of whiskey drinking with authors. Whiskey and white claw. Whiskey and white claw drinking with authors. So thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I have been your host, Erica Lance, and with me is Jay Piquette. And we'll see you next time.